Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my only co-host today, Holt Smash. Holt Smash, it's been a minute. What's What's been going on? Uh, I think everybody's been kind of wondering why we've uh, been delaying the podcast so long. Yeah, well, you know, it's just uh, it's just one of those things that just hasn't really been working out for us. We've had uh, some travel things going on. JB started a new job. we got all kinds of... All kinds of issues uh, with timing. We're trying to. Res- we thought we'd just go ahead and jump on, just to remind everyone that we are alive, and yeah. uh, you know, give some people, you know, some good, honest uh, updates on uh, college football. Are you sure it wasn't any kind of uh, contract disputes with uh, Slow Smoke Corporate in Destin? Um, we don't need to get into that right now. Okay. All right. I mean, as long as people keep listening and uh, advertisers keep paying up big money, we're holding out for the advertisers, but um, we just we want y'all to listen. I guess is the main point. But uh, we'll we'll turn it back to college football, which was a big college football Saturday. Holt, um, I'm assuming you're you're uh, still in the headquarters in Destin, so you don't get to have your three TVs set up. But how was how was it looking Saturday for the setup? Did you get good food? Were you able to watch at least two TVs or two screens? Uh, well, unfortunately, no. We only had the one TV in the living room here. Um, luckily, I wasn't having a fight with anyone um, over the controls. And then there was a totally different dynamic thrown in that um, I can't remember uh, having to deal with, and that's that Mississippi State was not only playing, but also the Atlanta Braves were playing um, in the NLCS with a chance to go to the World Series. So, uh, <laughs> Usually I'm flipping back and forth between football games, but I had to mix in the baseball game as well because I am a huge uh, Braves fan as well. So, um, you know, I, I didn't – I'm trying to think what we ate on Saturday. I think we just had – oh, man. Oh, no, that's not true. We got barbecue, actually, uh, perfectly timed um, for this podcast. But uh, we actually went to Lily's Q Saturday morning. Um, got there about 11. What's it called? And uh, he – Lily's Q. Okay, yeah, I've seen that there? pop up on the like barbecue Yelp section of Florida. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's uh, it's a really good place. They got some of my favorite ribs, I think, probably anywhere. Ooh. But um, they have uh, this. I, I guess you know this guy who runs it. It's just like a little shack on the side of the highway, which all good barbecue shops are. Yeah. Um, but it was just like you know we rolled up there like eleven, like right when they opened, and uh, he t- he takes orders for game day, so. Um, we actually, he actually was like all out of ribs except for like he had two uh, racks left and we took the last two. So dang, <laughs> sorry if anyone else rolled in there, yeah. you know, at 11.05 after we left. But <laughs> Dang, so 11.05 he was out of ribs already basically? 
Yeah, that's yeah, because he that's what he was saying. So he takes orders like ahead of time for ribs on game days. Dang. Well, uh, lucky, luckily for you, you got the last two, and you said they were great. That's pretty strong words if they are um, some of the best ribs you've eaten coming from Memphis and eating other ribs from other places as well. Yeah, and for, I've never been to um, Kansas City or Carolina, so I can't really speak on, on those two styles, but I'm not the barbecue connoisseur like you and JBR, but I do I do love some good barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, I think Debbie's like the most uh, caught up or st- stuck up about barbecue, like where he'll like just won't eat other barbecue. Like I'll eat barbecue even if it's like not great. Like I, I mean, it's still like good food and it's still just like a lot of food. Like I had barbecue on Saturday. Um, speaking of what you were talking about, the Braves playing um, like right in the middle of college football Saturday, which was great, but also just kind of stressful and like trying to figure out which which to prioritize between the Braves games and the um, college football games. I um, went to a bar during the day to watch both games, the Braves game and the Memphis game. And um, the bar, it was a brewery, actually, a brewery that had barbecue, too. It was like, it was weird. But uh, the barbecue itself wasn't like the best barbecue I had, but it was still good to me. And it was a good combo with with beer. So I enjoyed it. Um, Funny thing of that brewery, um, they had TVs on everywhere, but like the main TV me and the uh, the woman we're watching was ahead of the TV, like the main TV everyone else was watching. Everybody else was watching the Braves. So I think we were watching like direct TV feed and they, they were probably streaming from like YouTube TV or whatever it's called because it was like a clear minute behind. So like we kind of tipped everyone off what was happening before it actually was shown on the big screen. So it was kind of funny. The only problem is like me, I wasn't loud enough whenever they made a good play or bad play. So like they never heard it, but you could always hear them being delayed like by a minute so it's kind of funny to hear that echo basically but yeah i bet it's really in atlanta right now for all the all the braves games yeah i mean where we were saturday wasn't like necessarily the best spot for like a game and if you wanted to be like around a bunch of fans there were people definitely watching and caring about it but um if you go anywhere in the city we were just like just barely out of the, outside the perimeter outside the city if you go anywhere in the city or at the battery the battery is the most fun um, i don't know if you saw pictures or video um not from me obviously i went there friday for game one or monday for game one but like thursday and friday it was even more crowded than it was when we were there on monday yeah. and it's just crazy scene. yeah i saw a few people uh sending some snapchats that uh it looked pretty packed so i don't yeah. know why they can't just let fans in the stadium if they're gonna let them do that <laughs> yeah that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, kind of defeating the whole purpose of not letting fans in the stands if you're just going to have everyone crowd outside the, the ballpark. But I think the Braves are letting some fans go inside to watch the game. You have to pay for tickets or tickets, but still, um, I guess it's a little bit of relief. But anyway, um, yeah. So hopefully the Braves win tonight and play the World Series next week. But anyway, college football Saturday, lots of games, lots of good games. My favorite game of the day was obviously the Memphis game. Whole, what which game was your favorite for Saturday? Um, well, that, that was a really good game. Yeah, I was going to um, say, don't say Memphis because you have to say something else. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the best game of the day. But, uh, I mean, I thought the Ole Miss-Arkansas game was a really good game. I mean, it was exciting, a lot of big plays. Um, you know, I mean, Arkansas is uh, – I mean – They're legit. I've right? heard people are, might be the second best team in the West. That's, that's crazy to think about. It's a complete 180 from last year, and – 
Um, it's one of those things you love to see for Arkansas fans because they've they've been through it the past few years. And a lot of a lot of people say like you know it's hard being an Atlanta sports fan or hard being a Georgia fan. You say it's hard being a Mississippi State fan, which I can definitely understand your point from for the most part. But um, Arkansas fans can really say it's like hard being an Arkansas fan for the last two or three years. At least I guess the only difference between Arkansas and like Tennessee fans or Mississippi State is like Mississippi State and Tennessee like at least had some hope past couple of years like on improvement getting better but and winning games but Arkansas just it's kind of like a dead dead end for a while there except for this year they're now um should have won two games in a row but um beat both both Mississippi schools and they're they're looking like it's a they're a tough out and I wouldn't want to play them if I was um SEC team no definitely not and um you know you gotta obviously give a lot of credit to uh Barry Odom I mean, yeah, I that's that... what I was going to say, because uh, not still your Thunder, I'll let you talk about them, but um, this is the same Ole Miss team that scored, like, what, 50 points on Alabama's defense, and now uh, Arkansas figure out a way to shut them down. Not necessarily shut them down, but, like, definitely make them less potent. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Arkansas is doing a lot of the same defenses that they ran against Mississippi State a few weeks ago, just um, not bringing a lot of pressure, just rushing three or four guys and dropping everybody back into zone and just waiting for the quarterback to make a mistake. And Corral definitely did, you know, six interceptions. Um, that's, you know, you're not going to win very many games like that. So, um, you know, you got to give Arkansas a lot of credit, Barry Odom a lot of credit. Um, you know, they just said, hey, we're just going to, you know, sit back in zone and wait for the quarterback to throw us the ball. And that's exactly what he did. And, uh, you know, obviously I think two or three of them are returned for touchdowns as well. So anytime you can get points out of the defense is going to be huge. And I mean, I think that was really the difference in the game was them able to get those uh, interceptions. Yeah. So um, this was pretty much during the Memphis game and the Braves game. So I didn't really watch the entirety of it. I saw like highlights here and there on come up on the screen. I had no clue he threw six interceptions. I knew Arkansas's defense was doing doing good, but I didn't see or know that it was six interceptions. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was two of them that were returned for touchdowns also. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's just like just the theme of SEC on Saturday, that yeah. interception Saturday. I mean, you have that and then the Tennessee game. That I, I mean, I guess if I was watching the Ole Miss, I would think that was worse than Tennessee's, but Tennessee's just looks really bad. Um, first quarter, Garantano throwing those two pick sixes, and I don't know. I mean, they they didn't really score after that, but I mean, I kind of think that single handedly lost them the game just because that got them out of the game, and they never really recovered from that. Yeah, are you still are you talking about the Tennessee game now? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of switching back and forth. Okay, I just want <laughs> I just want to make sure. Um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, I got like a whole thing on the Tennessee game. I mean, you just want to go ahead and like go in, okay. or you just want to? No, no. Let's finish up the Arkansas Ole Miss, and then we'll uh, we'll get into that Tennessee game because um, we might save that for a little bit later. Because it sounds like you have quite a bit saved up for Tennessee game analysis. So um, Arkansas Ole Miss. Um, so six interceptions. Uh, another question: Did you uh, did you know that before Saturday, um, Arkansas was like one of two teams in college football that didn't, didn't have a rushing touchdown? No, I did not know that. Over well, Boys. The other team, the other team was Vanderbilt. It was like the they were showing it because I think this game came on right before the Memphis game, and I was watching just a little bit of it. And I saw that stat, and it's kind of hard to believe because they have Rakeem Boyd. So you think like that's um, it's like impossible for them, but they definitely got a rushing touchdown with Rakeem Boyd this Saturday. But um, he, I mean. He did all right, nothing crazy. It's more of like a story of Arkansas defense for the entire year. And then just their 
being competitive the entire the entire season, which is crazy. Um, do you think Felipe Franks did better than your expectation for Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's really come on. Um, you know, Felipe Franks is good for one or two really good throws a game. Um, and he did have obviously the one. I don't know if I assume you saw it. It was a top play on Sports Center. Um, made a really nice throw to uh, Burks. Uh, you know, the guy we've been talking about a lot on the podcast. Uh, made a great catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And he had a huge game uh, 137 yards on 11 receptions in that touchdown. Um, you know, and obviously being the number one player on Sports Center is a pretty cool honor. So um, that was a really impressive uh, game by. You know, Franks, I thought he played – I mean, the thing with Franks is, like, you just want to avoid, like, the big mistakes. I mean, that's really been, like, the theme of his career. It's just – he just makes the worst mistakes at the worst times. And, uh, you know, it seems like he's really kind of settled into this offense. I don't know if he's going to be, like, elite or anything like that. But, you know, he definitely seems to be at least a competent quarterback for Arkansas, which they have not had for quite a while now. Were you surprised that Kiffin didn't put Plumlee in if uh, Corral threw six interceptions? Or, I mean, at least after, like, the third or fourth, you're like, okay, well, maybe we need to try something else out. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I'm really surprised kind of as a whole how little Plumlee's played. Um, you know, even if it's a receiver or DB or running back or something. Um, I mean, he was one of the more explosive players in the conference last year. And, um, you know, obviously he's not a very accurate passer, so I understand why, um, you know, they maybe don't want him to be the full-time quarterback. But, you know, when things aren't going well, um, you know, it, it seems like it would be smart to uh, shake things up a little bit, especially with the way that uh, Arkansas was playing Ole Miss, you know, only rushing three or four. You know, if you get a running quarterback in there and you're still getting some of those looks, I mean, you're going to obviously have a big day with uh, the running quarterback. Do you find Lane Kiffin annoying or funny, uh, his trolling and just various comments? Like, I think he said something about um, he's in a group chat with all the, not other SEC coaches, but like all the assistants under Saban. And he, I was talking to, I think, Feinbaum and Feinbaum was like, well, what are you talking about? Well, I just tell him we all have the same daddy. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but so I, I feel like some people probably get annoyed with his trolling and like some, some of his comments. I mean, I think he's been pretty funny to this point. I mean, honestly, like, you know, a lot of us complain about the coach speak all the time and, like, you know, coaches being so buttoned up and, like, uh, you know, I don't want to say politically correct, but just, you know, just just a lot of coach speak and just a lot of just, like, you know, by the book type speaking. Yeah. So it is, you know, it is kind of good to have someone who will just say what they think and isn't afraid to say something that might you know, upset some people. So, I mean, no, he hasn't really, like, said anything to, like, upset me. Obviously, when he was at Tennessee, I really hated him um, back then. Uh, I mean, that was, like, a whole lifetime ago. Like, you know, 2000, I guess I guess it was nine was the year he was there. Um, yeah. So, obviously, I was, like, in high school at that point. So, but uh, it's completely different now. And, uh, you know, it's kind of nice having him around, you know, just kind of mix things up a little bit, spice things up. Sure. So, now – to be um, honest, like I actually think it's a little bit refreshing. Yeah, I um I agree with you. I I think it's like if everybody was like Saban or even like Kirby Smart, then I think it's just it's a little little dull and it's just it's not fun. I mean, I think it's I think it's fun because you have coaches like Kiffin and Mike Leach that are out of, unordinary with their comments, and I think it's kind of good to co- contrast that with Saban because that's what makes him so funny because they're they are coaches and they 
they can be very competitive in their own way and still have um, have a sense of humor about things. So I, I like that. But I bring that up to say, did you enjoy the Arkansas trolling of the lane train? Yes, I did. I actually liked that tweet. Um, yes. I, you, you think they were saving that one up? I, I definitely think they had that one ready. They, uh, yeah, queued up ready. Yeah, Arkansas Twitter has definitely done a good job this year. Um, their official page, I'm not sure like who runs that, if it's someone in the athletic department or what, but that's uh, been really uh, – they've been really funny so far this year, so hopefully they keep winning so they keep put out some funny stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I know that they've they probably had a lot of uh, – you know, anger and stuff built up over time over these past few years. So I'm, I'm really kind of happy for Arkansas that they're uh, getting some wins yeah. and uh, you know, and the rest of the SEC West has been so bad outside of Alabama that, you know, I mean, you could really make an argument that, you know, they're, I mean, they've already beaten the two Mississippi schools and they should have beaten Auburn if it wasn't for a bad call. So, I mean, you know, you could seriously make a solid argument for them to be in the top half of the division. Yeah. And uh, speaking of them, keep winning, I'm looking at their schedule and we'll get to, you know, preview podcast later on, but um, just real quick, look at their schedule. They have, um, I'm just going to run through it real quick. They have A&M, Tennessee at Florida, LSU at Missouri and Alabama. You look at their schedule, um, you think they could win maybe three of those games, which is crazy because that would make them what five have five wins total. So they could, I think they could beat possibly Tennessee um, LSU maybe, which is crazy to think about in Missouri. And then, I mean, they could, of course, lose those games, too, but they could easily beat a They could maybe beat A&M as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't pick them to pick to beat Alabama. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely think that they're within shouting distance of A&M. And even when Arkansas has been terrible, that's still always been a close game. Um, and then Florida, you know, I would definitely tend to leave Florida in that game. But, you know, they lost to A&M, you know, last week. And obviously, who knows what's going to happen with all the COVID cases that they've had. Um you know, I just don't even know what they're going to look like by the time that game comes around. So, you know, I mean, you could definitely look at all those games and say, hey, like they could really make something out of this. But at the same time, I don't think any of those are like for sure no. wins. I no. mean, I think I'll pick them to beat Missouri, but um, that's the only one that I would feel, you know, good about. I think the rest of them, I think, are more like toss ups or going to be a loss. Yeah. But at least you have hope as an Arkansas fan. I mean, we're not Arkansas fans, but right. um, I, think it's, I think it's a great thing to have. Uh, just. It's, it's not great being miserable or have it just despair as, as Saturday rolls around and see how much your team's going to get beat by. So that's not the Arkansas team this year. Uh, last thing on Arkansas, um, we said it a couple of times on our account, uh, Sam Pittman going to be the coach of the year for SEC. Yeah, no, probably nationally, honestly. Yeah, I, I guess mean, that, that's an even better point because I was a big fan of Pac-12. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know if there's been a coach that's uh, – you know, had this big of a turnaround so far. Yeah, the only one I could think about, like off the top of my head, that you could argue before Saturday was uh, Mac Brown in North Carolina because he got him to like what a top ten ranking, and like if they continued on that path and they finished in the top ten, then for sure they could. Um, you could have an argument for him being coach of the year, but um, yeah, it is a, uh, and I hate to like say this, but it is funny how they always the coach of the year always goes to like some coach you like, you know, overachieved or something like Nick Saban never wins the coach of the year, which is like insane. Cause obviously he's like the best coach every year. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed like Twitter on Saturday morning when the news broke that he had his third negative COVID test and he was going to coach. Cause like I, there was just so such good content that all the jokes people were making. It's crazy to think about like that. It, like it sounds like everybody's making it sound like, and I believe it, 
that like he's more important than uh, Mac Jones or Najee Harris to the to Alabama that he's coaching versus them being out. That's like how important it is, I think, for Alabama for him to be coaching. Yeah, no, it it really is, and um, you know, obviously, I don't. I just I have my doubts if uh, if it had been like another coach, uh, if if that would have happened. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears to that Alabama Georgia game while we're while we're on topic here. So, um, you're saying that um, if it was like just a average coach, you you don't think there would have been such a like I drink wits. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't think there would have been an urgency to get the negative test through? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure like who's running these, who's like running the tests or whatever, but or who's in charge of it. But it, it really did just kind of seem like you know it's Nick Saban. It's a big game. Like I don't know. It. I mean, did you not get the vibe that there was like maybe like some special treatment there? Uh, I mean, I definitely think it was more important for those negative tests to get through process quicker than anybody else in the state of Alabama. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, I mean, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I don't think he should have coached or anything. I mean, it's pretty obvious it was a false positive. Um, but, you know, I just wonder if there would have been the same urgency, you know, for yeah. like Eli Witz or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I can, I can hop on the conspiracy train with you and start to uh, theorize about what actually happened or what didn't happen or whatever she was, but uh, this game, uh, probably the, I guess, game of the year so far, I mean, in terms of, like, the, the hype before the game, number two versus number three, uh, I think Georgia really thinks they had a chance going into it and feeling confident just with the way Alabama's defense played the week before against Ole Miss. Um, did- no, I had Alabama win in this game. Um, you know, I mean, it. it's pretty obvious and I mean, this game kind of just proved it, but Mac Jones is a significantly better quarterback than Stenton Bennett is. I mean, Bennett's been like a good story so far this year, but just talent wise, he's just not on the same level. I mean, he's not a dynamic, like high level quarterback that's going to win Georgia big games. I mean, I hate to say it, but he's, you know, definitely more of your typical game manager. And, um, you know, he's going to get you by against, you know, some of the, you know, good to bad teams on your schedule. But when you play those, upper echelon teams you know he's just uh he just doesn't have quite enough to uh to make those big plays to win the game i love seeing guys like mac jones like wait and go through their years in college and not transfer out and get, learn under great quarterbacks and great coaches and finally get their chance their junior or senior year and show out like this i mean he looks like he's been groomed and out at alabama for four years like he like he has been and he just looks like a really good quarterback. Um, I mean, you could argue it doesn't work out for a lot of quarterbacks like that, like Jared Garantano for Tennessee. He just looks like the same as he did last year and the year before. It just doesn't look great. But Mac Jones looks like a um, pretty good quarterback. I mean, he made some big throws, not not game manager throws that um, people want to, like, label some Alabama quarterbacks, like before Tua and Jalen Hurts. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people don't think Alabama had dynamic quarterbacks, but um, Mac Jones made some big throws on Saturday. Yeah, he really did. I mean, I think it's, I, th- I just kind of feel like we've gotten to the point where like people are going to have to start acknowledging the fact that Mac Jones is just a really good quarterback. I mean, this isn't, you know, Greg McElroy, yeah. John Parker Wilson, uh, even Jake Coker. Like, I mean, this is a, you know, he's a big time player, and I mean, he's. 
uh, he's played all conference games so far, and he's got better numbers through the first four games than two I ever put up. So, oh, I didn't even think um, about that. Is that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's. I think it's time to start looking at Mac Jones as a, uh, you know, like a a big time All American slash Heisman contender type player. That is crazy. I didn't even look at that. Yes, I'm looking at stats now. He has 78 percent completion rate. I mean. This this game obviously it was George. George is a good defense, so like he had a great game against a great defense. But I mean, he did get a lot of help from Ole Miss not playing defense last week. Do you right. hear? Um, I heard this on the radio last week. They said that if Ole Miss like just didn't play defense, then they um, they they their defense only like stopped Alabama from like from scoring like one one time or something like that. It was like yeah. you know you know the stat I'm talking about is like some yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the stat that I saw against, you know, obviously we didn't record a podcast last week, but I, I did see a stat. I think it was Bud Elliott that tweeted it out. This basically said that, uh, like, th- they take, like, the total yards the yeah. offense can gain. Yeah. So, basically, like, where they start the drive to, like, the end zone. And, like, it was like Ole Miss only stopped, like, 79 yards, like, the whole game. Yeah. That's that's crazy. But, like, yeah. Like Alabama got seventy nine less yards than they than the total they could have gotten for the entire game. Like yeah, so no defense was playing at all. Basically, Ole Miss's defense didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, they added like no value at all. <laughs> no, that's um that's absolutely crazy. Um, so more stuff on this game. Um, we know about Mac Jones, but he also has good receivers in Waddle and um is it Devontae Smith? I, I don't want to mess up his first name. I think that's right, Devontae, right? Hold. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're both. They're both just monsters, so, and I mean, I know me and you love Waddle. Like, I mean, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, I love Waddle for sure, and I've actually just really enjoyed. I mean, I, I enjoy watching Alabama in general because they have great players everywhere on the field on both sides of the ball. But their receivers over the past few years have been like just incredible. And um, like you're saying, we we do love Jalen Waddle now, but I mean, is it possible that Devonte Smith could be just as good, if not better? I mean, I, I actually looked this up the other day. Yeah, that Devontae Smith yeah. actually. I mean, was I think higher recruited than, or like, I guess higher ranks coming out of high school than uh, Waddle. Yeah, oh, Smith is much more polished, and he's a much more like well-rounded receiver um, than than Waddle is. I, I just enjoy Waddle just because, just like the pure speed and just like the way he plays. I mean, he's just such an exciting player to watch. I mean, but Smith is, you know, definitely, I think, going to be the bigger pro prospect and. Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I was just saying, like, watching Waddle run and run away from the entire defense is just, I mean, it's just a sight. Like, I don't know what else to yeah. say. Our boy uh, Najah Harris finally had a big game. I was waiting for him to break out for the last, like, two or three years. And he, um, he finally had a big game against a great defense. It was like – it's kind of like reminds me of the old school, like, uh, Eddie Lacy, Derrick Henry type – uh, running backs that album had just like very physical, powerful, like get four or five yards at a time. And that's just kind of what happened on uh, Saturday. You can see in the second half, they really wore down the defense and was just eating away yards slowly but surely. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with him is he's, you know, he's right in line with those great Alabama running backs. And, you know, when he gets the ball, it's going to be hard to keep him from getting four or five yards anytime they want it. So um, that's obviously been huge. And, you know, when you have to worry about stopping him and then, you know, those great receivers, um, you know, I mean, this Alabama offense is pretty difficult to stop. So where does Georgia go from here? They, um, their defense is still going to be good. Um, I mean, they didn't look great 
on Saturday, but like Alabama's offense is just awesome. So it's kind of hard to knock them for that, but their defense is going to be there. Do you see them losing more games or I guess at least to Florida or whoever getting more trouble down the stretch because they don't have a like just great quarterback. Uh, they have a lot of confidence in. they just have Stetson Bennett, who's maybe a game manager, maybe a little bit more, but not too much more than that. You know, um, I think offensively they've obviously still got some questions to answer, but, um, you know, I think you can really bounce back from this game. Um, you know, I was even saying this during the game, but it almost kind of feels like uh, this game didn't really matter. That like the game that matters is going to be the SEC championship game. Um, and uh, I hate to just go ahead and pencil Georgia in, but it's just everything that's happened with Florida this past week. Like I'm just really questioning um, – you know, I, I guess how I feel about them. And, uh, you know, Kirby Smart's always kind of had Dan Mullen's number. So, I mean, I think that's really like the big game like you're, you're looking at now. But assuming that they get past that game and they play Alabama again in the SEC championship game, no one's going to be thinking about this game. It's, you know, the SEC championship game is going to be what people remember. And uh, the real question to me is um, how do they, I guess, improve their passing game on offense? I mean, is Ken Bennett improved that much over that period of time? Um, you know, I still don't know the situation completely with JT Daniel. Yeah. Like, I mean, is he just not play? Is he? Hurt? It's hard to believe that Bennett beat him. I still like having trouble believing that. But I mean, they they would. I mean, they they want to win the game, so it's not like they're purposely not playing their better quarterback. I just I it's, I don't understand how JT Daniels got beat out. And it's crazy that even Bennett's here because they had a Wake Forest quarterback grad transfer that was supposed to start first, and then they had um, JT Daniels transfer that was supposed to start too. And both of them didn't work out for whatever reason. And now he's the starting quarterback. Yeah. And then they had the other quarterback too. I can't remember. His name oh right yeah. The, the freshman that didn't look good. Yeah. Against Arkansas. He, so bad. They, he hasn't played since, but uh, no, it, it really is. And I mean, you know, I mean, Georgia's got some skill players on offense and I think that they kind of made some mistakes in the second half, especially with their play calling. Um, you know, they were running the ball pretty well in the first half. And for some reason, once they got behind, they just completely abandoned the run game. And when you're Georgia, like, I just don't see how you do that. I mean, you know, I know that Alabama's an explosive offense and you feel like you got to match and play for play. But, you know, I, I feel like if they'd have stuck to the running game, they maybe could have controlled the tempo a little bit more. And this probably would have been a little bit closer game. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears, talk about – uh, let's just go ahead and get it get it going with K- Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, it's kind of a rivalry game. I think Kentucky fans see this as a rivalry, but Tennessee fans don't just because they win every year. Um, Kentucky hasn't won in Knoxville in, like, what, like 30 years, something crazy like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I saw, like, all the things, like, you know, oh, who is president and, like, <laughs> yeah. the most popular, like that. Like, the, the, anytime they're pulling those out, you know, it's been a while. Yeah. But – uh so it was it was good to see Kentucky um, to come out and get a win. I mean, this is two weeks in a row that they've won without really doing much of anything on offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I mean they it, it really helps when the other team is throwing pick sixes. And I mean, they've I guess they've had uh, they've had three pick sixes in the last two games, and then another one where it got returned to like the one yard line. So basically, four pick sixes, you know, in their last two games. And uh, but the defense has been great. I mean, the defense hasn't given up anything. Um, you know, I thought that they played really well. Uh, Garantano just, you know, I mean, he's he's not good. I know Tennessee fans are tired of him. You know, it seems like he's been there since, you know, 
Peyton left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he's been there forever, and he's just not good. You know, two pick sixes early in the game, just you know, he, he's just not good. He's just. <laughs> I mean, he had some good throws against Georgia. You know what I mean? That first half against Georgia, you know, comes out, has a few long touchdown passes. You're like, oh, well, maybe he's on to something. But this week it's just, you know, same old Garantano. Did you yeah. uh, did you crack up whenever you saw Shroud come in and throw an interception immediately after? Yeah, I did, actually. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's so funny, too, because, you know, then uh, Pruitt is saying that, you know, he only pulled out Garantano for – you know, just to manage to let him catch his breath or whatever. But it seems pretty obvious to me that, uh, you know, he, he pretty much just knows that it's Garantano and not much behind it. Yeah, I um, guess he knows. That's I mean, that was like a key thing that we, we saw on Saturday is that like whenever um, Garantano came out, we saw a shot throw that interception. It's like, oh, I guess that's why Garantano is still the quarterback right now is because like there's nothing else that's better, which is really sad. You would think there's something better than uh, Garantano, but it just it wasn't. It wasn't great. And, you know, I was watching watching a play after he threw that first pick six or the – yeah, I think it was after the first pick six. Like, before that, he threw the second pick six, he actually made some good throws before that second pick six. You're like, okay, well, maybe it was just a mistake and he kind of build up because, I mean, they don't look bad when he's kind of, like, on, but it's just – I mean, that's the thing with quarterback. Like, you just can make one bad mistake or one bad decision, one bad pass, and – completely ruin your credibility and your reputation going forward, your perception, how everyone perceives you as a quarterback and decision maker. Yeah. And I mean, the truth is over the course of his career, he has just continually just made bad, bad decisions with the football Yeah, and uh, just no errors. And, you know, I just don't, uh, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why it hasn't gotten better. Um, you know, I mean, I'm kind of at a loss for words, but uh, you know, truthfully, that first half, you know, they, they went they went down seventeen nothing. Uh, they had a really good drive where they pretty much just handed the ball to Eric Gray every play, yeah. and uh, you know, got in the end zone before halftime. And you, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself at halftime, I was like, you know, Tennessee played about as bad as you could play in that first half, and like, I really wouldn't be surprised at all if they just came out and like kind of committed to the run and um, really controlled the second half. And um, you know, because Kentucky's offense, you know, just like I said, they really haven't been doing a whole lot. I mean, they haven't had to, you know. Yeah, they haven't really had to do anything, and the, you know their yardage has been minimal. I mean, I think probably yards per game. They're probably one of the worst teams in the SEC, if not the worst. I mean, look um, at Terry, I'm looking at Terry Wilson's stats right now: twelve for 15, 101 yards, one touchdown. Like that's not necessarily bad, but like you're just wondering, like why isn't he throwing more? And like it just doesn't have no. to. There's short fields, and, and then they didn't have any any anyone over 100 yards rushing either. Yeah. Uh, question. So. Obviously, the focus on this game is more about Tennessee sucking at, at quarterback specifically. Uh, but like you said, this is two games in a row where Kentucky's defense has kind of shown up. Um, and the focus last week was on KJ Costello and throwing interception. So this is two weeks in a row where defense showed up, had a couple uh, multiple interceptions, the quarterback. Uh, you think we should give Kentucky a little bit of credit uh, more so than saying the teams they play sucks that day? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think with the Tennessee thing, it's just more like, you know, it, it's kind of like they do this every year, you know what I mean? And then <laughs> with Mississippi State, they've really just sucked ever since the LSU game. So, I mean, uh, you know, you definitely got to give Kentucky some credit too, but, you know, it's kind of falling in line with, like, those trends with the other team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Kentucky's defense definitely deserves deserve some credit. 
um, especially in the secondary. They've played really well. And, you know, Mark Stoops is obviously a defensive guy, so he's going to, you know, build his team that way. But, uh, you know, to be honest, I mean, yeah, Kentucky, they probably – they were right there with Auburn week one, very easily could have won that game, um, if not for some, you know, huge mistakes that they made. But, um, you know, that being said, you're sitting here two and two, and uh, it's not a bad place to be. Um, you know, you've won two games in a row. Defenses look great. So, yeah, I mean, I think going forward, Kentucky is definitely um, a team to watch for. And, you know, I was actually looking – usually – when we set our power rankings, I don't really have any second thoughts. I'm pretty sure like how I feel about stuff, but after I started looking at the power rankings a little bit more and a lot of people gave us a lot of feedback about this, but you know, I, I definitely think maybe we had Auburn a little bit too high at six and we had Kentucky at seven. And when I was making the rankings, I was like, well, I mean, Auburn beat Kentucky. So that makes sense. But looking back on it, you know, I think Kentucky probably sh- should have had that, that number six slot right there instead of seven. Yeah. But, you can't uh, you can't know. really get in the whole mess of like well Auburn beat Kentucky so they should be ranked ahead because you could do that with every single team yeah. like the popular one was A and M Florida um, you can do South Carolina over Auburn now it's just it's crazy yeah and then the other thing too is like when you look at LSU like I mean they've played three games and they've beaten the team that we have 14th and they've they've lost to the two teams we have like you know 13th and 12th <laughs> so it's like I mean. Yeah, if if it wasn't LSU, if it was like just Arkansas yeah. or who, Ole Miss, you would put them like just ahead of Vanderbilt. Yeah, but that's the thing is like LSU is just so talented, and like you know that they're gonna figure it out. You know, they'd be better than they are. Yeah, but yeah, um, that, I think the, the the point that uh, that I was trying to make though, like on the second half, is like I just really disappointed with how Tennessee played in the second half. I mean, really disappointed. Yeah. Um, you know, they they really. The first half was just bad mistakes and, you know, stuff like that. The second half was just them just giving up. I mean, Kentucky kind of just – they just sat on the lead the whole game. It was just like, you know, three- and four-yard runs, run the clock, and that was just like the whole second half. And Tennessee's offense just didn't move the ball at all. And it was just – man, that was just painful to watch. Yeah, it was. It was like a slow, painful death. I was um, I was watching it along with the Auburn-South Carolina game because um, I, I thought, like, Tennessee just doesn't lose to Kentucky, especially at home. So, like, I'm waiting for them to come back, keep watching it, and just – you slowly lose hope throughout the game. Uh, like to your point, Holt, whenever they uh, scored that last touchdown the in the first half, it was basically just running the entire time with Eric Gray, like you were saying. Um, they were 17 – it was down 17 to 7 and a half. And I, um, I did the in-game bet real quick because I think it was the, – the line before the game started was, I think, Tennessee minus six. And then uh, at halftime it was – uh, Kentucky minus 10 and a half. So I was like, okay, I'll take that real quick just because it's 10 points now. I think Tennessee's going to figure out a way to, at the very least, lose by less than 10 to Kentucky. They never lose Kentucky. And I just – I can't believe <laughs> they didn't freaking score another point the entire game. It's just – Yeah, um, and I mean – Kind of pitiful. It's painful. And, I mean, you just wonder, like, you know the fan base is, like, sick and tired of Garantano. I wonder what, like, his teammates think. You know what I mean? Like – like, when your whole team gives up like that, like, to me, that is usually a reflection of, you know, bad leadership. I don't know if it's the coach or the quarterback or whatever, but yeah. they have a lot of faith in what was, in what was going on in that second half. I think during the game, the commentators were talking about that specifically because after he threw that second interception or second pick six, they were saying – I think it was I think it was Jordan Rogers that was calling the game. Uh, he was saying that you, you can tell a lot about how a team feels about your quarterback as a leader or – 
as a player whenever he makes a mistake or throws an interception to see like how they try to pick him up or how they're talking to him after it. And they were just showing Garantano on the sideline and nobody was trying to comfort him or talk to him. They just kind of leave him alone. So they were saying, they were basically saying that like, I guess a lot of people, a lot of his teammates have just lost like hope or lost confidence in him as a leader, as a quarterback. So kind of sad to see um, that happen. Although, that being said, if like if I was a teammate and somebody threw a second interception, like I just wouldn't want to be near him either because like I feel like anything I say would just make it worse for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can you say at that point? Yeah, um, like you'll get an next time. Oh, boy, oh, never mind. You already did. Yep. Somebody else is supposed to be a quarterback. Hey, maybe maybe Stroud will throw another interception so you can be back in. <laughs> yeah, they, they did let uh, Harrison Bailey, the true freshman, play a little bit, but it's pretty obvious he's not ready. Um, you know, I think if they had had spring practice this year, I think there's probably a good chance that he's, you know, the starting quarterback now. But, you know, I, I think they really – they don't want to mess up his confidence, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think they're probably still going to go with Garantano going forward. But I'm not ready to give up on Bailey yet. I mean, I think Bailey's still yeah. got a bright future. I'm assuming Yeah, but he can. I am um, kind of taking what JB tells us about Bailey or Tennessee players with, like, Grant Stall now and, like, trying to – have more of a healthy dose of skepticism when he tells me about a Tennessee player that's supposed to be good, like like Bailey. Because I mean, Garantano, like I mean, I think we figured out quickly that like he wasn't great, but like I remember he was like a big deal coming out, and um, it just hasn't turned yeah. out panned out. But we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see like what the the fans, how the fans feel about Peru because I feel like he's going up and down right now. Like it's it's like I know everyone hates Garantano, but like the whole just entire team losing to Kentucky but, the way they did. But one last thing on Pruitt, just because Tennessee fans are talking about him, like, you know, when you look at it, like, at the end of last year, people talk about, like, you know, them going on that winning streak. Like, who is the best team they beat between, like, when they started that winning streak and then when they lost to Georgia last week? Like, who's, like, the best team they beat? Like, Probably it Indiana. Had to have, yeah, it had to have been either Indiana – you know, it could have been Mississippi State, like on a team that fired Joe Moorhead or Kentucky, yeah. you know, with Lynn Bowden might have been their best win. You know what I mean? Like it was just that it was a lot of just and it wasn't like they were decisive wins either. I mean, they were all ugly wins, you know, and, you know, yeah, it, it's just I think that they're fair to have skepticism about Pruitt because, uh, you know, it doesn't look like they're really moving forward in any direction. Yeah, they're. I mean, their defense is supposed to be good, but I mean, I don't know, know if you want to call it thirty-four points, um, good yeah. or bad. Well, the thing is, too, is like today, like having. I mean, they're good on defense, but they're not great. But in today's college football, you have to be good on offense. Like it's pretty, you know, if you're going to be an elite team, you got to be good on offense, and they just can't. They're just a mess right now. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears. Talk about the Auburn South Carolina game. This game was going on at the same time. Now, the way I was watching this game was the same. I was watching the Kentucky-Tennessee. I was thinking, like, okay, Kentucky's beating Tennessee, but Tennessee's going to come back and, like, win this game eventually. And I thought the same thing about Auburn-South Carolina. I was like, no way Auburn's going to lose to South Carolina. They're just going to find a way to win and come back. They're just, like, letting them hang around for too long. But South Carolina showed us what's up, and uh, Will Muschamp got his got his, his annual big win of the year, so now he can, like, play like shit against, like, everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it was kind of funny uh... – I don't know if you saw, like, before the week when Will Muschamp was saying it's pretty obvious that Chad Morris is calling the plays. And uh, people were thinking maybe that was, like, a shot at, at Chad Morris or something. Uh, but oh, I, no, I didn't see that. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. But, um, yeah. you know, speaking of overrated quarterbacks, I mean, Bo Nix, 
you know, just, I mean, really the, the point I'm going to make here is that Gus Malzahn is still yet to develop a quarterback at any point in his career. I mean, it's, he Transfer. takes quarterbacks yeah. and their transfers or whatever, and he does really good with them. And then it just seems like if, if they play for him for a second year, they get worse. And, you know, it just, it doesn't seem like they ever progress. Um, you know, the thing with Nick's is he seems to have like no pocket presence whatsoever, which to me says a lot about coaching. Um, he just seems to be like very, like he's always moving his feet when there's like no pressure and like, you know, like it's just like his clock is all messed up and he has no pocket presence whatsoever. I think he's um, uh, quicker to run than throw too. Yeah. Which I mean, that's fine sometimes like, cause he is a good runner Yeah, um, and definitely running is better than throwing an interception, but you know, obviously through three interceptions on Saturday and um, you know, that second half was, was really ugly uh, for Auburn. I mean, you watch Auburn play this year and I like, I've come to the conclusion. They're just not a good team. They didn't look great. Yeah against anybody they've played so far. And we talked about this before the season with, like, their offensive line play. Um, you know, obviously they lost their entire offensive line from last year. They lost most of their defensive line as well. And, you know, it, it was just pretty obvious that the only way Auburn was going to be any good this year is if Bonex was just incredible. And it seems it seems pretty obvious that Bonex is not taking a step forward this year. Um, you know, and honestly, I think that's – somewhat of an indictment on him and like his recruiting ranking and people talking about, you know, the, what were they saying? Like the legend of Bo Nix or something like that. Yeah. Like, I, I'd be surprised to see, um, or I wouldn't be necessarily happy, but it be, would be kind of funny if uh, Joey Gate would end up being great at Kentucky. I mean, I'm surprised like the only reason why Gate was not playing yet is because they haven't lost because of Terry Wilson yet. But um, I mean, he's, they flirted with playing Gatewood more and more and starting him over. Uh, Terry Wilson, but I mean, I've seen Gatewood play, and like I think he has a lot of talent. Just you haven't been able to watch him play for a full game yet, but I think there's a lot of talent there. I mean, that's it. I think the same thing about Knicks, but Joe Gatewood looks like he has a pretty good arm and everything too. Yeah, and I mean, but that my ultimate point, you know, again is Gus Malzahn just isn't developing quarterbacks. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious um, that he's once he gets a new quarterback. No one really knows how he's going to use them. And then he'll have some success with them. And then once coaches have like time to figure out how they're using them, they can adjust to that. And then that's just kind of like the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden, you know, like if you look at Jared Stidham's first year, he was pretty good. But then after that, he was, you know, not good at all under him. And um, it's kind of just been the same story over and over again. You know, Jeremy Johnson, obviously has been talked about like, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, religious. That was for a second. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, you know, it's just, it's basically just been like one year transfers. You know, Nick Marshall was really good his first year, wasn't good his second year. Um, you know, obviously can't there for one year, but um, you know, he gets these transfers and he'll do good for one year, and then after that, it's pretty much done. And then no high school quarterback that I know of has done anything under him. Yeah, because uh, Stidham was like they were talking about him as like a potential Heisman candidate. His I guess senior year, where it was like fifth year senior, because he had a decent junior year, but like not great. But like everybody could see potential there. But he just he never evolved or got better his senior year. Yeah, so I mean, until Gus Malzahn develops a quarterback, then I'm just going to assume that he's incapable of it because we have not seen any. He's been coaching for a while now. We have not seen any quarterback progress under him. Are you high on Tank Bigsby at least? 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he was definitely the bright spot for Auburn. He had a really big game, 16 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, he's going to be a really good running back for Auburn. I think he's a true freshman, so. Yeah, he is. I'm just looking him up because I was curious about that, too. You, you know what's funny is that uh, I'm pretty sure he was either – he either did commit or was about to commit to South Carolina um, at one point in the recruiting process before ultimately ending up at Auburn. So, um, some good yeah. revenge for, for Will Muschamp because I know they really need a running back right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, South Carolina needs quite a bit. I mean, this is – I mean, it's good for – like, I, well, much chance sucks as a coach overall, but like every now and then, like he has these games where like he just figure, figures out a way to win against like good teams. Like he showed it last year with Georgia and Auburn's not necessarily a good team this year. Or definitely not on the level of Georgia last year, but um, I mean, Auburn's definitely more talented or I don't know if they're more talented than South Carolina. They, um, cause South Carolina does recruit really well as well, but Auburn should have won this game, but um, South Carolina figured out a way. I mean, it was at home. I don't know if that makes a difference this year, but it wasn't pretty, but they, they figured out a way to win. Yeah. And I mean, you got to give South Carolina some credit too, especially on defense. They really played well in the second half and, you know, they were able to force those turnovers. Um, you know, Shaw Smith had another huge game. He's one of the more fun players to watch in the SEC at the receiver position. Um so definitely enjoy watching him play. And he definitely likes to talk trash, uh, not only during the game, but also on social media. So um, I have been kind of enjoying that a little bit just from afar because I don't, you know, I don't love or hate South Carolina. So I feel like I can kind of just objectively enjoy when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of uh, kind of cool to see. And, um, you know, Colin Hill is didn't have great numbers, but, you know, he managed the game pretty well. He was very just stable and very boring. But uh, you know they got the yeah. win, so that's that's really all that matters. But I think the I think the you have to give the win to the defense though, because I think the defense is really what won South Carolina this game, especially in that second half. All right, let's move over to the last game. I think we haven't talked about is the A and M State game. Um, I've seen the like picture circling around on Twitter about like the life cycle of Mississippi State fans. <laughs> Are you in like the despair right now, Holt? Um, I don't know what stage I'm at. I, I feel like I kind of go through the cycle like all over again, like every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, the the thing is, is like it, it has been really frustrating. Um, obviously, especially after that first week, it looked like Mississippi State was like really ahead of schedule and Mike Leach was going to be able to do some things with uh, these players. Because, um, you know, before the season, I think my biggest questions for this team are going to be just you know, what does this offense look like that was built to run? Um, like, you know, most of these players were recruited by Dan Mullen to run like a power run, you know, spread type concept. So, you know, what is this going to look like as an air raid? And State's got a lot of big receivers that aren't necessarily quick and have great hands like, you know, the Wes Welker, Danny Amendola types um, that have played for Mike Leach before. So I'm like, you know, what is this even going to look like? And uh, it was just a lot of false hope that first week. And uh, it seemed pretty obvious that Bo Pelini just – basically Bo Pelini is, is, is the reason why Mississippi State had a huge game the first week. Just uh, refusing to come out of man coverage and blitzing too much. Um, you know, it's just apparently the last thing you want to do to this Mississippi State offense right now. Um, but, uh, you know, Mississippi State uh, right now, as far as like the biggest problem, is, is going to be the offensive line. Um you know, a lot of people talked about Costello, and yeah, Costello has definitely struggled. Um, not as bad on Saturday as he had the previous two games, but um, he's really looked bad. But the offensive line cannot even block three guys right now. 
Um, you know, teams are just – they're rushing three and they're dropping eight in the zone. And Mississippi State's offensive line is still not able to block um, guys. What's the what's the story on that? Are they freshmen, sophomores, or are they just not good? And we you're waiting on better recruits to come in. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you know it's actually one of the more experienced units on the team. Um, and so it's the same unit from last year. For the most part, I think they lost um, maybe one or two starters off of last year's offensive line. And, like, it wasn't that big of a deal last year. I don't remember no, that being, like, the no. problem last year. And, yeah, and then, obviously, they they have a – one of the guys that starting now that didn't start last year is a freshman five-star recruit, so you're, like, really excited about him. Um, and he's actually been the best one at all of them. Um, That's I, good. But, uh, you know, I mean, just getting blown off the ball and just totally whiffing on blocks and, you know, the quarterback is having no time to – do anything i mean not even get to the first or second read before he's getting hit i mean there were some times on saturday where you know the quarterback literally just took the snap and then like immediately got hit it's almost like the ball like couldn't even beat the defender to the quarterback um but uh it was just it it was rough to watch and uh mississippi state's offensive line has just got no confidence right now um they're rotating a bunch of guys and none of them can figure it out and uh it's just it's frustrating um, luckily, you know, Will Rogers, the true freshman did come in for Costello in the second half and played pretty well. Yeah. So can you, uh, can you tell me what happened? Cause I wasn't watching this game. So, I mean, I saw, I know Costello had one interception, but like, what was it just like, yeah, they needed to... he, he had an interception and a fumble in this game. And I think it was after okay. the fumble when they took him out and, um, you know, it was basically like it, Costello played the whole first half and then he had the fumble, like kind of early in the third quarter. And then Rodgers came in and played after that. He, he played pretty well, um, 15 of 18 for 120 yards and one touchdown, no picks. So that was kind of good to see. It looked like he was reading the defense a lot quicker. Um, the offensive line, you know, played a little bit better in the second half. I don't know if it was the offensive line played better or just Texas A&M got bored. Um, but yeah. either way, the pass rush wasn't quite as relentless in the second half as it was in the first. Um and uh, Will Rogers was able to put together a touchdown drive and uh, had a you know few good passes. So, you know, I don't know if you know they're going to go with Rogers going forward. You know, just like I said, I don't think it really matters until um, I don't think it really matters until offensive line figures some things out. Um, and then the other thing too is really the last two games before this one, it re- was really about the interceptions from Costello um, was really killing them. Uh, yeah. They were still moving the ball. They just kept turning the ball over um, in the red zone and stuff like that. But this game was uh, just – I don't even think they took one snap in the red zone the whole game. Uh, there are two touchdowns. One was on defense and one was from, like, just outside the red zone. So, I don't even think they took one snap inside the red zone on Saturday. Yeah, and it's not looking too much better for either hold because uh, they play Alabama next week. They do play Vanderbilt after that, if that gives you um, a little bit of hope. But yeah, still, I, I was mean, about to say, still haven't played like the two best defenses they're going to play this year in Alabama and Georgia on the road. <laughs> yeah, so it could could look a little bit a little bit worse than it did this week. Um, and Vanderbilt honestly like might be tough because they might be <laughs> circling that game. It's like, oh, this is one of those games we could finally win. So um, it, that one might be tough as well. Um, this game though, hold. Talking about AM for a second, Kellen Mond didn't have a great game. He, it was kind of back to like the same old average Kellen Mond. I mean, he looks great against Florida, but this game he looks just kind of average, nothing special. Yeah, and I mean, the, the interception was a fluke play. Um, and it was, 
I mean, it wasn't necessarily a great pass, but the fact that it was intercepted is just kind of bad luck. Um, I thought he played, you know, decent. He was fine. They didn't really ask him to do a whole lot because, obviously, you know, you just don't want to turn the ball over when you're facing Mr. State right now because they can't move the ball. And uh, they were having some success running the ball. Obviously, Isaiah Spiller had a really good game. Um, I'm actually surprised he only had 114 yards because it seemed like a lot more than that. Uh, it seems like every time they give him the ball, he was getting five, ten yards a pop. So, um, you know, yeah. he obviously had a really good game. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you got to give AM's defense a lot of credit, you know, especially their defensive line. Um, they didn't just strictly rush three. Um, when they got in some third down situations, they did bring some pressure and had a lot of success with that as well. So um, really good, um, you know, performance by Mike Elko and, the, you know, that defense, they, uh, they had a really good game plan. Obviously, a lot of it was kind of copied off of what Arkansas Kentucky had been doing, but they kind of mixed in, uh, you know, some of their own um, things as well, especially on third down that uh, really kept Mississippi State off balance. So, um, you know, I think AM's defense is right up there with, with some of the other ones in the conference. I don't think they're quite on the level of Georgia. Um, you know, they may be kind of within shouting distance of Alabama. Maybe I mean, Alabama's defense really actually hasn't been all that great this year, but – um, yeah, you know, AM's defense has been pretty solid. I don't think they're quite on Georgia's level, but you know, I think they're probably in that second tier of SEC teams. Yeah, you could, I mean, you could maybe put Kentucky in there if they kind of continue on there. But I did hear in the last two games, I did hear today that statistically Mississippi State is leading the SEC in defense right now. That makes you feel better, man. I mean, it, it does, right? it, it doesn't actually. Um, it actually <laughs> reminds me of it's, it, it kind of brings back those memories of Joe Moorhead's first year. Um, State defense was way better that year than it is this year, but you know they were just loaded on defense that year and had three first round draft picks and just couldn't do anything on offense. That was frustrating because I mean at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't feel good to be awesome on offense or defense if you're still losing games. I mean it almost makes it worse. A and M they have to be the second best team in the West. So the second best team in the conference. I mean you have Florida. And no, Georgia, I, I mean I would still take Georgia over A and M, but you know I think after that. You know, obviously they're right there. I mean, I think it's, it's. I think it's pretty clear, especially after you know, last night that Alabama's one, um, and then I think Georgia's kind of. I, I think they're still two, and then I think the next tier would be Florida and and A and M, and obviously you know A and M just beat Florida last week. So I mean, I feel safe in saying that they're a better team. So. I mean, I put them right there. Um, you know, that being said, I don't think that they can just show up and beat Arkansas um, whenever they play. No, no. And uh, you know, I don't think there's really anyone on a schedule left that I look at and I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to win that game. So, you know, they, they got to keep their head up. But, you know, that being said, before the season, um, I did kind of – one of my bull picks was that they would kind of maybe sneak into the playoff. And I, I think that uh, they're in a pretty good position. I mean, if they can just – their schedule is not too tough – um, yeah, LSU doesn't just completely turn it on late in the season, which they might, but, um, you know, it looks like, uh, they're a better team than pretty much everyone they have left on their schedule. Yeah. Yeah. But like you're saying, you can't just like lower their schedule and say like, okay, they'll come win this one. Cause you could like literally look at every single game and like make an argument, like why the team would win. Like Arkansas looks like an easy win, but Arkansas plays everyone tough, especially in um, South Carolina just beat Auburn and they like mess up teams. Tennessee, you think, like, maybe one – like, they have to get a big win and it's just kind of like LSU could turn on late, Auburn could get lucky. It's just um, – n- no guarantees in SEC ever, I guess, is the um, no, especially, point I'm trying to make. You know, everyone's playing conference games every week, so everyone's getting a, a tough shot every single week. So, 
getting the shit beat out of them, basically. Yeah, and I mean, it's a gauntlet, and, you know, there's no bye, you know, I mean, there is a bye week, but then, you know, there's no um, FCS team or Sunbelt team, like, mixed in there. It's just all conference games, you know, in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's all the SEC games. Let's talk just a few minutes about the um, out-of-conference games or just college football landscape real quick. Um, so as good as Alabama looks against Georgia on Saturday, um, Clemson looks absolutely incredible against Georgia Tech, even way better than um, Alabama did against Georgia. Uh, is, are they the clear number one team right now? Holt? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they look to be a complete team right now. Um, you know, I think their defense is on par with Georgia's. And I think their offense is on par with Alabama. So, I mean, I think that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to get tested, obviously. But, uh, you know, I definitely think that uh, from what we've seen so far, they appear to be the best team in the country. Yeah. And uh, I know everybody likes to make uh, make a big deal about Trevor Lawrence and their passing. But um, Travis Etienne has been incredible as well. And he could be in the Heisman talks yeah. uh, just as easily as Trevor Lawrence could be. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, he's definitely a name that everyone knows. I, I don't think – he didn't put up, like, the same numbers um, on the ground that he usually does. But, uh, you know, I think they're probably just trying to save him for later in the season. Yeah. Um, tough tough game for George Tech there. Um, yeah. Close. I mean, they knew it was going to be tough going into it, but 73-7 is a whole new level of bitch slapping and ass whooping. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I feel bad for Jeff Collins. Um I like what he's doing at George Tech, though. No, I do, too. And I think he's recruiting well. And I think that uh, in the next couple of years, you know, he's going to get some things figured out. But recovering from the uh, triple option is a real thing. I mean, that, the personnel that you recruit to that uh, versus what he wants to do is, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough rebuild. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame won uh, Saturday against Louisville in a very ugly game, 12-7. to um, They're number four right now. I think they moved up to number three because of Georgia losing. Um, are they a, a contender or a pretender? They kind of look like we're unsure about them. They haven't played as – I guess they played four games now, but they did have, like, that COVID scare for a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, they're not on the same level as Alabama or Clemson. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. I, mean, yeah. I, I think that they kind of just get ranked that high by default. And obviously none of the teams are ranked yet, so I think once Ohio State starts playing next week, they're yeah. ahead of Notre Dame pretty quick. But – yeah. Notre Dame could be like the new um, Oklahoma getting to playoff and just get killed. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they're going to have to play Clemson at some point, but I don't think that uh, I don't think they stand much of a chance against Clemson. Yeah, that offense is just way too dynamic, um, and their defense is obviously great too. All right, so that's Notre Dame. Uh, big upset Saturday, um, which is crazy. We're calling it an upset this year, but Florida State beating North Carolina. Uh, that was late Saturday. Um, any comments on this? I mean, I think I think North Carolina was ranked a little bit high to begin yeah. with. They're number five. I yeah, don't think they're a true number That's five. Exactly, what I was just about to say. I mean, I I didn't even realize they were ranked that high. We were you know watching game day on Saturday, and um, I saw that number five next to North Carolina's name, and I was just kind of like did like a double take. I was like, what? Like number five for North Carolina? Yeah. But uh, you know, obviously they're not ranking. You know, it's only three Power Five conferences that are ranked right now, so um, that contributes to it a little bit. Um, they did have that really impressive win over Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech appears to be like a pretty good team. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that was a good win. But um, just that first half, they just totally got, um, you know, they they just got really behind the eight ball. And um, I don't know if you thought about this, but 
this popped up in my head. Um, but uh, when Phil Longo was at Ole Miss and uh, Norvell was at Memphis, didn't like uh, didn't Memphis have like a decent amount of success against his offenses? When Norvell was at Memphis in general, they had. Are you talking about like they their like are, offense versus uh, I'm talking defense, about or? when they played Phil Longo, like when he was at Ole Miss, like because didn't. I'm trying to remember like what year it was. I know four. It was 2017, uh, 18 year. Uh, whenever he was there, I'm I'm just looking it up. But I mean, yeah, I think Memphis didn't have trouble with, um, or Norvell didn't have trouble with Ole Miss in general. Yeah, because I, I was thinking about. I know this is before. This is uh actually that was like Fuente and Free, but I know that that 14 year, 14 and 15. But either way, I don't know. I just kind of was thinking like maybe they had like some familiarity there, but never mind. Um, I was it, I, sorry, I'm not making a connection. Bill Longo is the coordinator at uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Phil Longo is off Carolina. I guess I should have yeah. pointed out. I'm not making a connection now, but yeah. Um, I was saying, is that what you're saying? I got you. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to like look look back at it, but. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, good, good win for yeah, I probably should, That's just something that pops in my head because I, I thought that uh, Memphis had, had done pretty well against Ole Miss when Fulon goes there, but maybe I'm misremembering. But either way, um, it was a really good first half for Florida State. They actually didn't even score in the second half, um, but they were able to hold on. And, uh, you know, North Carolina, I thought they maybe could have tried to kick the field goal there, but I guess they were just barely out of the kicker's range. They decided to go for it on fourth and nine. And, uh, I think it was a running back that dropped the pass in the flat. So that was tough to yeah. see, but good win for Florida State and a tough loss for uh, for Mac Brown. Big win for Norvell in general. Um, he wasn't having a – he wasn't off to a good start at Florida State with uh, the player relationships, how they thought about him, and then just losing games that you're not supposed to lose at Florida State. So good win for him. So hopefully they um, get it going and he doesn't get fired in year one or year two. <laughs> Um, all right, other other games. I don't necessarily want to talk about other games, but um, my weekly question to you is about the non-Power 5 best team, uh, that best team out there right now, or best group of five team. Uh, I know we have BYU that's undefeated and it's just like killing everyone. SMU is undefeated, but they're not like winning as convincingly. Cincinnati's still looks good. They're undefeated. And then I don't know if you're, you're, you've seen or peeps Coastal Carolina being undefeated and beating Louisiana on Wednesday. Yeah, I did see that Coastal Carolina was uh, was undefeated. A lot of people have been talking yeah. about them this week. So it's, uh, it's, it's exciting to see. Um, sucks that Louisiana lost, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's got to root for them because they, they looked good when they beat uh, whoever it was, Kansas State or no, I think those Arkansas State. They beat uh, Iowa State, yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, maybe Bill Napier is already on the phone with uh, Auburn or South Carolina or somebody. Yeah. So but, do you have an opinion on who the best non-Power 5 team is? Yeah, best yeah. non-Power 5, because I don't want to stay, exclude BYU from it. I think group of five. I, I was going to say BYU um, just because, I mean, literally every time I've watched them play, they've been like beating the shit out of somebody. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like they, they've been pretty dominant so far this year, and it's – you know, it's they look like a power five team. Yeah, and I mean, I would love to see BYU maybe like getting like the Big Twelve or something like that. I, you know, I, I just think that if they had like some more resources, maybe they could figure some things out. But uh, that being you said, can't, you can't be rude for them to get in the Big Big Twelve because that's that's Memphis' spot. 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure that uh, Memphis and BYU can join the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Yeah. Well, well uh, Memphis yeah, and BYU like too much. Not so. a power five anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to the Big East. Oh, just kidding. We're going to change the name. It's not Big East anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. like Conference USA 2.0. But, uh, yeah, I mean, BYU's been really impressive. Um, they're really physical. And Andre Washington, their quarterback is actually a little, like, Got a little Johnny Manziel in him. I don't know if you've seen him play, but he's pretty exciting. Yeah, he's uh, he's very athletic uh, and like he makes. Yeah, because whenever I because I feel like they play on like not on Saturday every single week. So like I, they're kind of like the only team college football team playing. They played on Friday this past week. So uh, watch them play against Houston a little bit. But um, yeah, their quarterback, he does have a little Manziel. Like he he has unconventional ways of scrambling and throwing the ball and he's a good runner as well yeah definitely well uh so what's hang up or what what (laughs) (laughs) i said are we gonna wrap this thing up or what no we're gonna we're gonna just keep this going until the brazing we have another hour so (laughs) i'm just gonna find some more stuff to talk about don't worry (laughs) no um yeah that that was my last question hold don't worry i I know you uh stretching you a lot because i know you're not a big talker in general but uh Ask my fair share of questions for the for the week, so um, uh, I think we can call it call it quits here and wait for the preview podcast in a few days, and so you can get a little little rest and get excited for the Braves game tonight. Yeah, hopefully the Braves will pull it out. Yeah, hopefully, man. I'm I'm not too optimistic right now, but um, I will be watching either way. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on podcasts at SEC. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.